0: Jesus shows up. You got your Bibles with you today. I want us to actually look at two different texts this morning. We're going to go to the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And I want to read uh, seven verses there. And then I want to turn to the New Testament and read Luke's gospel and account of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. As I've said, today is Palm Sunday and we want to understand what that is. And in struggling through this week as to how and what to preach um, it wasn't until thursday afternoon that the lord revealed to me what he wanted me to share with you this morning and it was called destination worship we are all on a journey destination we are going somewhere today being palm sunday I wanted to tie the wonderful fact and act of worship into the message today because we started looking at the issue of worship last week. And so I think that as we look at what the destination is today for all of us, it is to come to the house of the Lord to worship. So let's honor the Lord this morning by standing and reading Uh, If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can look on the screen. The the folks have it there on the screen for you. Uh, In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give a sacrifice of the fools, for they consider not what they do. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou art upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldst not vow than that thou shouldst vow and not or not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angels that in any error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities. But fear thou God. Now if you would flip over to Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19 starting in verse 29 um, we want to read through um, verse 40 and as we look at that we find that this is the account that Luke records of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And it came to pass that when it was come nigh to Bethpage that Bethany at the Mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, in, in which you are entering. You shall find a colt tied thereon that is never a man set. Loose him and bring him hither. And if a man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thou shalt, uh, he say, you say unto him, Because the Lord has need of him. And they were sent away, And found, even as they had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, the owner thereof said unto them, Why loose thee the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as they went, they spread their clothes uh, in the way. And when they had come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had, they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them I tell you that if thou should hold if they should these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near he beheld the city and wept over it. Lord, we ask that, Father, as we read the the word of the Lord today, we pray that, Father, that you would take the words of both the Old Testament and the New Testament that tell us about how that we should come into the presence of the Lord and worship. Lead us unto that destination today, O God, we pray. Lord, let thy word speak unto thy servant, and let thy word be meditated unto our hearts, O Lord, and may we be lifting up our voice and giving you the praise that you deserve. Lord, would you fall heavy upon us, O Lord, today, and may we find ourselves at that destination, destination worship. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. The first step to getting to any destination is making the proper preparations. In order for any of us to get to any place of worship, we must first take certain steps to get there. Kind of like this. People on an airplane... And people sitting in the pew today have a lot in common. All are on a journey. Most are well behaved and presentable. Some doze. Others enter in mindless trance. A few gaze out the window. But most, if not all, are satisfied with a predictable experience. For many, the mark of a good flight and the mark of a good worship service are the same. At the end, we say that was nice. It was a nice flight. It was a nice worship service. We exit the same way that we entered, unmoved, unchanged, unaltered, and we're just happy that it was an uneventful flight and we're glad to return again someday. Enter the church. Entering the church, into the sanctuary, we look at the faces and as we do, we find a few that are giggly, a couple are cranky. I won't mention any names, Tony. I mean, but by the the large content uh, are just content with their experience, content to be there, content to sit and to look straight ahead and leave when the service is finally over, content to endure the music and the, and the preaching content with the mundane part of the message, content with just another nice service. A few, however, have come seeking more, and these few leave wide-eyed and wondered of having experienced worship rather than merely enduring worship. The destination of worship is to meet with God. As with any journey, we need to make the proper preparations so that we can experience God rather than just endure another worship service. We want a memorable, not a mundane trip. What does that flight check look like? What is it that we need to prepare so that we can have that today? Travel demands preparation. Solomon, the wisest and richest man in the world, writing thousands of years ago, gave us some pre-flight instructions in order to encounter the God of the universe when we come into the house of the Lord. We also see this beautiful act of worship as we look at the triumphal entry into Jerusalem those many years ago. The Bible records that so that we can see the act of worship take place. I want to share with you just a few things today to kind of set the stage for what we need to have in order for us to experience worship when we come to the house of the Lord. The very first thing that we find both from Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and from Luke chapter 19 is one must get ready to meet God. I'm telling you, my friends, that we cannot experience God unprepared. It won't happen. As the believers in Jesus Christ, we must come with certain preparations in order to experience the presence of our God. If we want to experience him, we must listen to the words that Solomon spoke in verse 1. Solomon wrote, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. One under rendering of this verse that I read that I liked says this, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. The phrase, guard your step, means to proceed with reverence, tiptoeing into the presence of God. We come with the care and the caution that we're entering into a holy place, a place where God himself will visit. We come with dignity and we come with respect. We approach God the same, with the same care that Moses did when he encountered God at the burning bush and God said to him, take off your shoes for you're about to walk on holy ground. He knew that he was coming into the presence of the Lord. I thought about how many times over the years that I have said this statement, stop running in church. How many kids over the years that I have said, Church, the sanctuary is a place of reverence. Please don't run in the church. And I know that you're sitting here today as an adult saying, Well, we didn't run in, we barely waddled in. Um, But yet, I believe so often we come in that same demeanor. We may not physically be running to God, but spiritually, emotionally, and mentally we are. We do church as we do lunch casually, unprepared, and hurriedly so we can get on with our day. Our hearts and our minds don't show profound awe and respect when we come into the house of God. We don't anticipate God's presence or anticipate hearing the voice of God. Consequently, we're unable to experience the the, the revealed presence of God when we come into this place. And so often we're not stirred in our souls and our lives are not changed and we are satisfied with just hungering for God without ever experiencing the fullness of God. Luke records that as Jesus was approaching the place in which he had intended for his people to worship him, he sent two of his disciples ahead to make certain preparations for the act of worship. Let me encourage you, my friends, if we want to experience worship when we come to the house of the Lord, we must prepare ourselves for worship. I said it last week, I'll say it again. It is not something that we can do once we get here. It is something that we need to do starting this afternoon and work our way through to it till we get back here next week. We need to pray before you come to be ready for, to pray when we arrive. We need to sleep before you come so that you will stay alert and and be ready for when he arrives. Ready for the word before, uh, reading the word before so that when we come, so the heart of God will be soft when we hear the word of God and the spirit of God can speak to us. We need to come hungry, come willingly, come expecting God to speak, come anticipating a memorable experience with the creator of the universe. I asked this morning, how many of you come in that way? I handpicked the videos that we watched this morning simply as I was walking through it this week because they spoke of the fact that there are many different types of people, people that come with one expectation, others that come with another expectation, and some have come to worship the Lord. We must prepare. The second thing that we see is that we must listen to God. One man said he and his wife had words, but he never got a chance to use his. I think God often feels the same way. Me and my children had words, but I didn't get to use any of them. They did all the talking. When flying, and I've flown a lot over the years... When flying, I I, kind of feel for those flight attenders, probably because I'm here uh, on Sunday mornings and I kind of feel like those flight attenders uh, sharing instructions for you so that you don't crash and burn. Um, So they're standing before the people there on the plane. And how many of you have ever flown watching them? And they're there trying to tell you how to buckle your seat, where to find the exits, and how to survive in that oxygen mass falls down, how to save yourself so that you can save someone else, all of the things that they're teaching us in case there's a disaster that happens. And guess what, when you look around the plane, there are people riding, there are people figuring out their baggage, there are people doing their own thing, and very few people are listening to what the instructions are. It's no wonder that when tragedy happens, many people don't have a clue what to do. I feel for them because as we know, that it's important to, to share what God has said for us. The, the flight attendants know how God must feel when, when people come to church. We show up at the house of worship after a mad dash from home. Perhaps World War III has taken place in the car or, or as we were walking out the door. And then as we're driving to church, a few choice words under our breath for the guy that cut us off in traffic. We stroll into the sanctuary, we find our seat and we say, No one took my seat this morning and it's a good thing. We start looking around to see who else is present. We proof the bulletin for typos. We find the sermon notes to make our grocery list on or figure out our to-do list for the week. And before we know it, the pastor is up preaching, kind of like this morning, and we're wondering why Ron didn't sing any of the songs that I like to sing. And all of a sudden we realize that we haven't been listening and the service is over and the pastor is dismissing us and we haven't experienced God. Solomon offers further instructions for experiencing God in worship. And he says, Be more ready to hear than to give a sacrifice of fools. For they consider not what evil they do, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. The Living Translation kind of says it like this. As you enter into the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. I like that. Think about it. When we come to worship, we have come to meet with God. The Living God, who has simply one agenda for when we come to the house of the Lord, and that is to meet with us. And when we come to meet with God, we would be well advised to let Him do the talking and us do the listening. He wants to communicate to us. And Luke chapter 19 and verses 30 through 31 reminds us that God has something planned for us when we come to worship. However, if we're going to experience true worship, we must first be willing to listen to the instructions of the Lord. Jesus and Luke told his disciples exactly where to go, what to get, and what they would find, and what to say when they got there. Let me remind you of something, my friends. All of you kind of do this mentally or physically. How many ears do you have? Two. How many mouths do you have? One kind of reminds me that God would prefer that we listen twice as much as we talk when it comes to the things of God. We need to be reminded that it is important for us when we come to the house of the Lord for worship. It's not about what we think, about what we say. It's not about what we want God to do. It is about what God has planned to do with us. It's time that we come listening instead of telling The best worship experience will come when we listen to God instead of telling Him what we want out of worship. The third thing that we learn today is that one must humble themselves before God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2, Solomon continues, God is in heaven and thou art upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. In actuality, that that statement that Solomon is making is is more about perspective instead of distance. God was Solomon was not trying to remind us that how far heaven is from from earth. I, I hear that question a lot. Well, preacher, how long does it take someone who dies to get to heaven? I have no idea. The Bible says to close our eyes in death is to open them in eternity. I don't know how far away it is, but that's not what Solomon was saying. He's not talking about distance. He's talking about perspective. God is in his realm, and his realm is of an infinite. He hears the inaudible. He sees the invisible. God penetrates that which is inaudible to the human ears and peers into the, that which is visible to the invisible to the human eyes. Here's the point. God is God and you are not. We are not God. God is in heaven and we are still here on earth. And while we're here, we're to worship the God of the heaven. So that one day when we get to heaven, we will know how to worship the God of heaven in heaven. As we prepare for worship, remember that we are to approach God in a uh, statute of humility. Stature of humility. We bow before Him. We fall before Him. We recognize our unworthiness before Him. And every time I think of that, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 when Isaiah uh, experienced the presence of God and he bowed before the Lord and said, "...in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw high and and seated up and high and lawfully throne, and his robe filled the temple." To see God reign in His power and His wisdom and His love produces only one response—the same response that Isaiah had—an awe before God. If you and I are not in awe before God, it's because we have stopped from looking at this, uh, from the throne of God, to looking at the things of this world. It's time we we allow ourselves to look heavenly instead of worldly. It's time that we recognize that God is high and lifted up and His throne is worthy of our praise. One of the great benefits of gaining a proper perspective of God is that we not only gain a view of the throne of God, but we gain a view from the throne of God. Once we have entered into God's presence, we look down on the world from His perspective. Rita, what you said... Speaks volumes of what God is saying right here. When we see God and we see His throne, we then have an opportunity to look down and say, I know God has this, no matter how big it looks. He is bigger, He is greater. On one hand, when we thought we are weak, We become strong because we are in his presence. Or what we thought was foolish actually become wise because we see it from God's advantage point. Have you taken the time to look at your personal struggles and frustrations from God's perspective? Worship is a time when we come into God's presence so that we can see our difficulties and our rewards from his perspective That, my friends, makes all the difference in the world. Luke tells us that when they had brought the donkey to Jesus, they laid their coats upon it and placed him on the colt. Then in an act of humility, they laid their coats upon the ground for him to walk on. Luke helps us to see that when we encounter uh, the very presence of God, we begin to see life from his perspective. He is worthy and we are not. When we worship, we gain a view of God that we had never seen before. That God loved us in spite of our sin. That God who who didn't see anything good in us made something good in us through His Son. My friends, we need to understand that we must come into the presence of God recognizing who we are, sinful and broken before God. Number four, one more thing that we must learn is we must mean what we say. Ecclesiastes four and verses five and or four and five, Solomon wrote, "When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is he that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. In other words, Solomon is reminding us, keep your words, words. Uh, may not mean much to us these days, but they have always meant a lot to God. In God's eyes, a promise is a promise. If you vowed it, you had better keep it. David Allen Hubbard wrote this, "...better to bribe a judge than to ply God with hollow words. Better to slap a policeman than to seek God's influence by meaningless gestures." Better to perjure yourself in the court of law than to harry God with promises you cannot and will not keep. The full adoration of our spirit, the true obedience of our heart, these are the demands and the delights of the Lord. Listen to the words of the people as Jesus entered Jerusalem that faithful day. They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David, who cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And those are wonderful, prayerful, praising words. But I have to ask the question, knowing the outcome of what took place the next week, are they like our words? Are they just mere words that mean nothing? And when the chips are down, we turn away from God. You see, the reality is we have to ask the question, were these sincere words of a worshipful heart or were they hollow words spoken in the height of the moment? My friends, God says, be careful of what we agree to, what we claim in the name of Jesus, for God holds us accountable to all of our words. If you're going to praise the Lord, mean your praise. Consider for a moment the promises that you and I have made to God when we were in times of worship. Maybe we've said something like this, oh God, if you get me out of this predicament, I will serve you. Lord, if you'll just help me to do this one thing, I'm going to start coming to church more often. Yes, Lord, I promise to give 10% of my earnings. I do promise and covet it before God and these witnesses to be the loving and faithful husband in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. Lord, I rededicate my life to you. I promise to spend more time with my family. I I promise to remain morally pure for my marriage partner. I pledge before you to be a missionary someday and give my life for you on the mission field. You may or may not have said any of those, or you may have said many of those, but the question is, did you mean them? What promises with your time and your commitment and your life and your money have you made before God but yet failed to keep? When we make a commitment to God, we must keep it because God believes every word is a vow before Him. He doesn't forget one thing. Making commitments to God is like flying on an airplane. Once you're up in the air, there's no turning back. We're committed. We can't change our mind and say, but I want to just get off now. Feel free. The door's right there. Okay? None of us will. When you go into a time of worship, it would be better for us not to vow than to vow and not keep what we have committed to the Think about that the next time that you are before the Lord in his presence. Lastly, one must take God seriously. Solomon concluded this section by saying, For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities. But fear thou God. To hear God does not mean dread or terror. It means holy awe and respect. In other words, we're to take God serious. You know, I once saw a church sign that had multiple services, and one of their statements, it said, casual worship, 9.30 a.m. Now, don't get me wrong, I know what they meant. I know that they meant at 9.30 a.m., you don't have to wear a suit and a tie, Tom. Tom but you can come in your t-shirt and jeans and it'll all be good. But there's just a problem about that statement because there should never, ever be a time that worship should be casual. It should always be serious. It should always be reverent. It should always be holy. We must recognize that we all too often think that we can come in however we want and God is just so happy to see us that he will take us however we are now that may be true as a sinner coming to Christ but that is never true as a saint coming to the house of the Lord we are called to worship the Lord i believe that scripture teaches us through the old testament and the new testament That we are to reverence our God. Worship should never be casual. Far too often we take God too lightly. We approach him in trite and casual fashion. We think of God as our buddy or our pal. But this is the eternal God of the universe who claims, who has a claim on our life because he is the one who paid the penalty for our sin. He's the one who died on Calvary's cross and rose from the grave so that you and I who were dead in our sins and trespasses can be alive and have the promise of eternal life. And then lastly, as we look at Luke chapter 19, the Pharisees that day simply said, Master, make your people be quiet They're making way too much commotion, too much noise in the world today. Can I just remind you that we can't praise God quietly, casually, reluctantly. We must praise Him wholeheartedly or else the rocks in the universe will cry out on our behalf. And we should never, never give up our opportunity of worship and let the universe rejoice and praise our God for He has died for us that we might live for Him. Worship is serious business. We dare not let nature do our praising for us. So I ask you this morning, are you ready to board the flight and take the trip? to destination worship worship is not an enduring contest but a marvelous adventure into the presence of God the God of this universe it's not business as usual but a wonderful filled ride into a new dimension of life it cannot be just another mundane trip but a memorable flight And on that journey, our reaction must simply never be, Preacher, that was a nice service. Or that was a nice worship. But rather, in the words of a child who has never flown before, but yet experiences the wonders of a flight, Wow, that was the greatest thing I've ever experienced. That should be the heart of, Of God's people, Tammy. If you'll come to the piano for me, please, Tammy, to the piano. Ron, um, you and Tammy, very quickly come up with a a worship song. I think that we need to just praise the Lord. Maybe just praise the Lord. That's a great one. I want to pray for you as we talk. I the last two weeks, I have tried to give you an understanding of what worship is. Simply to say to you, I cannot perform worship for you only for me. They cannot perform worship for you, only for them. You must participate in order for it to be worship. God has come with a sole purpose of meeting with you today. My question to you is, are you ready to get on with your destination and meet Him there? Let's stand to our feet and let me pray for you as they prepare to lead us in a song. Father, I pray, O Lord, For those that are here in the building, those that are downstairs, those that are out in the car, those that are at home, that, Lord, right now that we would prepare our hearts to, to arrive at the destination worship. Lord, that we would realize that this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, help us, O Lord, to experience that we owe you a great debt of gratitude. Lord, we ought to be as the people that were there on the streets of Jerusalem praising our God, for worthy is the Lamb. Hosanna, Hosanna, worthy is the King of David. Lord, help us, O God, to anoint you with our praise, to lift our voice before you, O God, And then, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our presence. And we ask that you would stir us and challenge us to meet with you and be in worship with you. For you are the leader of our worship in Jesus' name. Brother Ron. Sound room number 18. seated just for a moment. Kingston, come here, buddy. Come on, buddy. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can praise the Lord for. There are times when God does amazing things. He's not going to do it? That little coward, that little coward. I was going to bring you a little testimony up here this morning, but he just chickened (laughs) out on me. (laughs) Hey God, just give me a minute. Maybe we can get him back. Uh, amen. Go ahead.